Here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to read from the resurrection story, and then I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to look at what it means to say yes. And I've been praying for you for the last few weeks. I didn't know who was going to be here, but I've been praying for you that you will say yes to Jesus. Whether you are a believer in Christ or not a believer in Christ, I've been praying for you, and so I'm excited about today. If you want to follow along, you can. Um, We're going to share scripture later in a little bit, but I'm going to pick up in John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And I'm going to skip around. It says in John 20, now on the first day of the week, that was Sunday for them, uh, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken from the tomb. So she ran over and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, which was John, who wrote this gospel, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together like Schoolboys, they were running as fast as they can, but the other disciple outran Peter. <laughs> That's John. He's like, yeah, I was faster than that old man Peter. And he outran him and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the faith's cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. It was proof that there was no theft. Jesus had risen. Then in verse 8, it says, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. And you need to listen to these words. It says when he went in and he saw. When he saw the evidence of the resurrection, when he saw He believed. He said yes when he saw that Jesus was alive. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Then Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene who is crying and weeping and emotional and all upset And she is excited that she has seen the Lord. And then in verse 19, it says on the evening of that day, so it would be like Sunday evening, so like tonight. It says the doors were being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus stood among them and said to them, Peace, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad. Literally, they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord, when they saw him, when they touched him, when they felt him, when they experienced the risen Lord. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. You see, the resurrection is meant to change our lives. And the course of our direction. In 22, it says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them. 
And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. There is power there. There is imagery there. There is hope there. There is life there. There is a resemblance of him bringing life to death. And he breathed on the Holy Spirit. And then he said, if you forgive the sins of any, they will be forgiven. If you hold forgiveness from any, it will be withhold. And now there was Thomas. And Thomas sort of represents you and I, I sort of feel. He was not with them when the 12 or when Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. I will never say yes to Jesus. I will never believe. And if you understand something, he has already said, yes, he believes in Jesus as the Son of God, but he did not quite understand the resurrection, and he didn't know what he was going to be saying yes to. And then it says, eight days later, I wonder why it took eight days, but eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was there with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, just imagine yourself being Thomas. He said to Thomas, look at me. Notice what he says. He says, put your finger here and see my hands and put your your hand and place it in my side. He said, literally, stop disbelieving. (laughs) Do not disbelieve, but believe. Stop not saying yes, but say yes. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, you have believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And that is where we're at today. We're those who haven't physically seen Jesus face to face. Yet we have to believe. We have to say yes to Jesus. And today, whether you already have said yes to Jesus or you've never said yes to Jesus, this needs to be the day. Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday that you say yes to Jesus. Let us pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the resurrection. I thank you that you breathed on us the Holy Spirit so that I don't have to come up with words right now. The Holy Spirit can speak directly to us. It can, he can convict us. He can change us. He can challenge us. He can transform us. He can renew us. And I just pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to be unleashed. And I pray, dear Lord, this morning through the power of that spirit that all of us will not just be thinking about someone else saying yes to Jesus, but we will think about ourselves saying yes to Jesus. And I pray, dear Lord, that the meditation of our hearts and the the meditation of our minds renew it so that we can focus our lives on you, the resurrected King. 
And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. The first person who ever said yes to Jesus was Martha. Martha in John 11, this is what she said. She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. If you would, would you say that with me? Let's read that together so that we can focus in on the first person who ever said, yes, Lord. Say it with me. Martha said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Now, it seems very easy for Mary to have said, yes, Lord. But as we will see, she said it in the midst of a crisis. Her brother was dead. And Jesus, who loved her brother, could have been there, but he wasn't there. And she was suffering, and she was heartbroken, and she was in the middle of her grief, and she was weeping over her brother Lazarus. And Jesus comes, and he sort of starts a Sunday school class. And he says, do you know who I am? I am the resurrection and the life. And she's like, oh, yes, I know who you are. I know that my brother will live again in the future. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm the resurrection and the life. If anyone says yes to me, even though they die, so will they live. The last person, especially in the Gospel of John, who said yes to the Lord, we just read about in John chapter 20. It was Thomas. Thomas is literally saying, yes, Lord. He's saying the exact same thing as Martha said. He's saying, yes, you are my Lord and you are my God. He had his doubts, just like you and I. He had his fears. He had his anxieties. But he transgressed and he transformed in the matter of eight days. And he said, yes, Lord. You are my, it's personal. You are not just the Lord and God. You are my Lord and my God. But in, in between these two, between Martha and Thomas, there's the words of Jesus that we need to focus in on today. And again, whether we have been to multiple Easter services, whether we have said yes to Jesus, we still struggle with this. Jesus said to Thomas, do not disbelieve, but believe. <laughs> He's saying stop not saying yes and start saying yes. I've been there, you've been there, we've all been there, we've had our doubts. And literally all the disciples had their doubts, they had their fears. We just need to admit to ourselves that we don't have to be this super Christian, we just need to understand what's going on. The 11 disciples, they walked with Jesus, they talked with Jesus. Jesus. 
they heard Jesus say that he was going to, to rise again. They knew the Old Testament scriptures. I've preached on it in Easter before on Psalm 16. There is a resurrection. But all of them thought when Jesus breathed his last and said, it is finished, I, I commit my spirit to the Father, they all thought, game over. They ran away from the cross. And they hid in the midst of a crisis. And they had their doubts. And they had their fears. And we need to ask ourselves the question today, believer or unbeliever, whether we've said yes or never said yes, what are the doubts and fears we are carrying into this place today that are keeping us from saying yes to the resurrected king? You see, in this life, you have multiple opportunities to say yes, not just to Jesus, but to other things and other people. You see, you can say yes to a relationship. Some of you have said yes to a relationship and you're so excited, and some of you have said yes to a relationship and you are really depressed. Some of you can say yes to a career or an occupation or a job, and again, you're really excited about that decision. But others of you are discouraged with the career that you have chosen. You can say yes to a house, and you can say yes to a dress, and if not, you can watch the TV show, I guess. You can say yes to an addiction, and you say, Mark, you never say yes to an addiction, but at one point you said yes for the first time, which led to an addiction. You can say yes to what you believe. In fact, you are saying yes to what you believe right now. It's either you are believing a lie or a false narrative, or you are believing the truth and a true narrative about life, about Jesus, about God, about the church, about God's word. Every moment of every day, we have a decision to make. Who are we going to say yes to? And you can say yes to the life you want to live. Is it going to be a life in a relationship with Jesus Christ? Or is it going to be a life without a relationship with Jesus Christ? I have said yes multiple times. I said yes to Michelle. And I am so glad that I did say yes to Michelle. And Michelle said yes to me. Have we had a perfect marriage? Obviously, nobody has a perfect marriage. We're close. But uh, I'm so glad I said yes to Michelle She's made me a better person, a better human being, a better pastor, a better father, a better husband. And I'm so glad I said yes to Michelle. I said yes, especially to Micah and Mackenzie through the wonderful gift of adoption. And again, there was a decision. I had to say, yes, we're going to go through 
the paperwork and through the home studies and through the finances and through the emotions. And we said yes. And I wouldn't ever change that decision to saying yes to Micah and Mackenzie. I said yes to going into ministry. I'll never forget the night that really I changed and said yes to ministry. I was up awake and I was just crying and crying out to God and I said, whatever, Lord, I want to be your servant. And I don't regret it one bit, saying yes to serving the Lord. I have said yes to multiple churches, not just this church, but I've said yes to other churches to come and to serve and to minister and to pastor and to lead. I've said yes to multiple decisions and choices that I've made over the course of my life. And just like you, I've made some good choices and I have made some bad choices. I've said yes to a lot of stupid stuff. I said yes to a timeshare, which I've tried to sell multiple times here. (laughs) And nobody has ever taken me up on that offer. The price is getting better, trust me. I said yes to playing sports in my early days, and I sort of regret it now. When I can't hardly walk, or my knees hurt, or the torn ACLs, and the body pains I have, and the trials and tribulations I had playing sports. Yes, I had some good times, but I also had some bad times. I said yes, like many of you, to being a fan of many sports teams. Right now, I don't know if I'm glad that I'm a Steelers fan. If you've watched the news lately, my team is a dysfunctional mess. But I've said yes to being an Indiana Hoosier fan, a Cincinnati Reds fan, a a Sixers fan, a Pacers fan, which, again, I'm going to be disappointed probably in a few hours as they're going to lose to the Celtics. But I've said yes to being a fan of many things. I've said yes to a few public servants, and sometimes I've regretted it, but sometimes I've been glad that I voted for that person. I've said yes to a few cars and homes that I wish I wouldn't have said yes to, but most importantly, I said yes to Jesus Christ. And I can tell you, just like John can tell you, and Thomas can tell you, and Martha can tell you, and Mary can tell you, and the rest of the disciples can tell you, the Apostle Paul can tell you, and some of your family members can tell you, that is the best yes that I've ever said in my life. You see, the first time I said yes, And this may be surprising to some of you or may not understand if you didn't grow up in the church. But I said yes because I was indoctrinated to say yes. Now that doesn't sound great, but I'm glad that I grew up in a Christian home. I'm glad that I grew up going to a Christian school. But to be honest, I was sort of forced to say yes not that somebody had me and had a paddle over me and say, you better say yes to Jesus or we're going to paddle you. And I wasn't like, you know, you better say yes to Jesus or you're going to burn in hell. I said yes to Jesus because every 
part of my environment and my family. It, it was going in that direction that you had to have faith in Jesus Christ and you had to say yes to Jesus Christ as your Savior and that you were saved by grace through faith alone. And I said yes to that. But it wasn't until I was about 18 years old. You see, that first yes, yes, it, it changed my life and it changed the fact that I was going to go to heaven and be with Jesus, and it changed that I was forgiven of my sins. But guess what? It didn't change who I was on the inside. And so the second yes that I made was the yes when I was 18 years old, away at college for the very first time. I said yes to making Jesus be a friend of mine, to have a relationship with him, to talk with him, to pray with him, to read God's word, not as an academic endeavor, but to read God's word because God wanted to speak to me. And so it was sort of a new conversion or a second conversion that saying yes to Jesus and a relationship with him was totally transforming because it changed the way I thought and felt and behaved. The things I used to say, I no longer said. The, the actions that I used to take, I no longer took. The feelings that I had about God, they totally changed. And most of all, the feelings that I had about what it meant to be a Christian and what it took to live the Christian lifestyle, that all changed. But it was the third time that I said yes to Jesus that really took a grip. And that is when I said yes to Jesus in the midst of a trial and tribulation. You see, some of you maybe have said yes to the first one and you're stuck. And I get that because you're... You have a faith that is your family's faith or your tradition's faith and not your own faith. And some of you are stuck. You have your own personal faith, but you're in the midst of a crisis or a tribulation or a heartache or in pain and brokenness. And you're feeling like everything is hopeless. And it was in the midst of trials and tribulations. And, and I've shared those before, but there is nothing that tests your faith to say yes than holding children in your arm that you have to give back to the Lord. And I had to make a decision for myself. Was I going to continue to say yes to the Lord after years of trying to have children and to no longer have Marcus. And then 11 months later to go through it again and have to say, yes, Lord, I'm still going to trust you even though this sucks, really? Am I going to trust you even though it doesn't make sense and it's just horrible what I've had to endure? I've given you my life. I've given you my service. And it was that third yes, though. It is the third yes to Jesus 
that gives me strength and fortitude to face whatever I need to face today. And it is that yes that some of you need to make today to get over the hurdle of whatever problems or obstacles that you are facing. You see, saying yes sometimes sounds so simple. In fact, there's sometimes a a title for it or a saying, people call it easy believism. (laughs) I don't know what gospel they're reading, but it's not easy to believe. It wasn't easy for Martha. It wasn't easy for the disciples. In fact, it was quite hard. As I mentioned, for Mary, it appeared easy. But she was going through her own crisis with her brother, being deceased, and Jesus, the one who loved him, could have saved him, but he didn't. And he said something crazy that the death was for the glory of God. And she said, yes, Lord, even before her brother was resurrected from the dead, she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you are the Christ, you are the promised one. You are the one that will change my life forever. You see, but for the disciples, it was so hard. It was so hard because they were blinded to the truth that Jesus wanted to tell them because they were caught. If you go back and you read the resurrection story, they are filled with fear. And some of you today are filled with fear because you don't know what it's going to be like to trust in Jesus Christ. Can I trust him with my problems? Can I trust him with this relationship? Can I trust him with my finances? Can I trust him with changing my lifestyle? Can I trust him? It's not easy. But I can say this, if you say yes to Jesus, it will change your life. It will change your eternity. It will change the way you think, feel, and behave. And I'm not here to put you on a guilt trip, but if you have said yes to Jesus and you haven't changed the way you think, believe, and feel, and behave, something is wrong. You're not trusting. You're not believing. You're not putting your faith and confidence in Christ. I think one of the reasons is is that we sometimes think that faith and saying yes to Jesus is saying yes to religion. You see, Jesus did a miracle in the Gospel of John to start everything off. And it was a sign. He turned water into wine. And many of us think that, oh yeah, that's a case study to show that we can drink wine, but it goes beyond that. What he's trying to say is that the old way of doing purification is no longer acceptable. It's no longer about religion. It's about a relationship, which is so much sweeter and better. It's not about saying yes to religion. It's not even saying yes to a doctrine of beliefs. Some of you can't get over the hurdle because you're like, Oh, I gotta believe this, or I gotta believe that, or I gotta believe this. And what you need to believe, as we will see, is something totally different. 
You're not saying yes to faith itself. And I think some of us have grown up this way, especially, you know, down in the south and sometimes in the Bible Belt, but sometimes in different regions of the country, you start believing that your belief is in belief itself. So if somebody just says, so you just have to have faith, you have to have more faith. The problem is with your faith. There's nothing in the Gospel of John, there's nothing in the Gospels about having faith in faith. The disciples had to see, they had to touch, they had to experience it so that they could place their faith in Jesus Christ. You are saying yes to the resurrected King. I don't know about you, but as we sang the opening songs this morning, everyone spoke to me in a powerful way. And it, it sort of reminds me of the song that, I don't know exact lyrics, but it's about the resurrected king living in me, the resurrection. When you're saying yes to Jesus, you're saying yes to a relationship with the resurrected king who can resurrect what is dead inside of you. But whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, whether you've said yes once or a hundred times, you have doubts and fears about saying yes. You see, so did Thomas. Thomas had his doubts. And some of you right now, you doubt God's presence. You're saying, I don't feel God's presence ever. And I've said yes to Jesus, and I don't feel his presence Some of you are not feeling his power. Some of you doubt God's plan for your life, for for your children's life, for your grandchildren's life, for someone else's life, and you're doubting God's plan. Some of you are doubting God's goodness. Some of you are doubting God's justice. If God was just, he would just take over. Some of you are doubting, and you're doubting that God really, really loves you. You see, this is why we as believers and unbelievers need to read the gospel of John. It's very interesting in John 20, 30, he says, Now John did many, or Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciple, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John wanted us to know about Jesus, who he was, so that you would eliminate your doubts. And he's like, I get it. I lived with him and I still had my doubts, but I wrote these things down so that your faith would be real and alive and active. But the problem is some of us have said yes to Jesus, but we've gone back fishing. You see, after John 20, after they confirm their faith with Jesus, guess what the disciples do? They go back to fishing. They go back to their first career, their first occupation. In fact, they they can't even recognize Jesus anymore because they've gone back 
to John chapter 21. Some of you have allowed your careers or your family business or your occupation, whatever it is, maybe it's just the busyness of life. Maybe it's the recreation of fishing. You've allowed that to distract you. And you need to come back and do what Jesus challenged Peter with. You see, when he he does that exchange, and we've heard it before, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Do you really, really, really love me? Oh, Lord, it hurts, but yes, I love you. And Jesus says, follow me. He's like, I'll follow you, but what about the other disciples? He says, don't worry about them. You follow me. You see, Jesus wants us to say yes, free from distractions and busyness. And he wants us to trust him. So to help us understand, I want us to understand what we're saying yes to. And I'm going to give you three verses that will help you understand the three realities of what you're saying yes to today. Here's the first one. It's in John chapter 19. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. The Greek word is tetelestai, which means paid in full. I love on Good Friday, we always do the cross and we nail our sins to the cross. And maybe some of you are going to need after the service to come up here and and nail some of your sins to the cross. But when Jesus hung there on the cross, he cried out, it is finished. That means there is no more sacrifice for sins needed. And when you say yes to Jesus, you're saying, yes, I believe you paid for my sins. There's no good works that are going to allow you to enter into relationship with your heavenly father. It is by Christ and Christ alone. You're saying yes to the finished work of the cross. You're saying yes to the promise of Jesus. You're not saying yes in John 6:40. Notice what Jesus says here about belief. I love this verse. He says, this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And later he goes on and he says, and he will be resurrected on the last day. You see, we believe in the finished work of Christ, but we also believe in the promise of Christ. You see, you're not believing what your mom and dad are telling you. You're not believing what... I'm telling you as a pastor, you're believing what Jesus is telling you. That if you trust in him, you have eternal life. And last but not least, you're saying yes to eternal life itself. I've said over and over again, if you say yes to Jesus, your life will be changed. In John 17, 3, Jesus says, this is what eternal life is, that you may know who Jesus Christ is, that he is literally the living God, the son of God, the one that God sent to change your life. 
You see, most of us think of eternal life as a ticket, and we think, oh, we're going to say yes to a ticket to go to heaven. (laughs) I mean, if you want to look at that way, maybe you'll get your ticket to heaven, but your life on earth is going to be miserable. Your life in heaven is going to be great, but that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I came that you might have an eternal life, a quality of life, an abundant life. Right now, a resurrected life. And that's what it means to say yes to following Jesus. Some of you are so busy and distracted with life that it's hard for you to see the resurrected king standing right in front of you. I watched a video this week of a famous violinist. I can't remember his name, but maybe you've seen it on YouTube. And he was performing, and he was using actually a violin that cost like $3 million or something. And the night before, he went to the busiest subway in Washington, D.C. The night before, he did a sold-out concert, and I think the balcony seats were like $200 a head. And so he decides he's just going to be a common man and put on his Washington Nationals hat and he goes to the Washington subway and he's there and he's playing and it's in the heat of the day and the busyness of day and nobody hardly even notices. Maybe 20 people stop out of thousands that are going by and they, you know how they throw money into to the, the, the case and he got like $30. You see, they didn't realize that they had the best violinist because they were so busy and distracted. And that's the way some of you are right now. You're so busy and distracted. A couple of weeks ago, I heard a lady speaking on the brain and she said something I've never heard before. She said, we need to daydream 15 minutes a day. And what I want you to do today and the rest of this week, I want you to take 15 minutes and I want you to daydream. Not just daydream about a house or a relationship, but I want you to daydream about Resurrected Sunday. I want you to daydream about being there at the empty tomb. I want you to daydream about being in the closed room when Jesus said, see, touch, feel. I want you to daydream about going fishing after you have seen and felt and touched Jesus. I want you to daydream what your life will look like if you allow the resurrected King to take hold of your life. The question we all need to wrestle with is, what are we saying yes to today that is keeping us from saying yes to Jesus tomorrow? Or maybe better way to look at it is, what are you gonna say yes to Jesus today so you won't have regrets about what you're gonna say to something else?